0: Welcome back to Mentally a Us. My name is Justine, and before we begin, I would like to put a trigger warning. Today's episode will consist of the topic of rape. If this is something that is triggering, I don't recommend listening on. Today, I interviewed my friend, Angie Hughes, who used to be a fire captain. About a couple of decades ago, she was raped as a minor and mistreated by the team she was a part of. The mental health stigma was extremely high back then when she was a teenager, and she is here to give us the insight of what she went through. Enjoy. Hey, y'all, welcome back to Mentally a Badass. My name is Justine, and I am with Angie Hughes today. She is a former fire captain from the baltimore county fire department in maryland and she has taken the time out of her day to talk with us about her experience um, working there Um, we talk we're going to be talking about how there's a huge stigma around mental health there and then she's also going to open up uh, about sexual assault so thank you so much for being here angie
1: oh thank you for having me
0: so let's start, um, let's just start with a little bit of a background. If you want to just kind of um explain um like when you started as being like a fire captain, like how like if you want to just kind of just dive deep into a little bit of the a background, if you wanna start there.
1: Sure. So I started as a volunteer in the fire service at the age of 16. You're able to join any volunteer fire, well most volunteer fire companies at 16. And then I was hired into the career department at the age of 19. So that's very unusual to start at such a young age. I had my paramedic certification, very young firefighter. And I when I joined the, the career fire department, one of the first things I heard was, what makes you think you can do this job? Being a woman in a male dominated field is really tough. And my response was, what makes you think I can't? So immediately I had to show that very tough exterior. And uh, then I just kind of worked my way through. I was a firefighter paramedic, a fire specialist, which works with kids and, and education, a fire lieutenant and retired as a captain. I also did a lot of work with uh, Women in Fire, which is an international organization that supports, female, supports and mentors female firefighters.
0: That's really awesome. And I really like how the way you responded saying, when they were asking you like, what makes you like, I guess different, is that, was, was that what you said? And then you kind of like went back and be like, well, why, why do you gotta think of it like that? And and I see here when I looked up your inf- information on Google, said so that you started in 1989, is that right?
1: Yes, in the career department.
0: Okay, yeah, that was before I was born. Um, So so, I just, I mean, just the reason I bring that up, it is relevant just because the mental health was definitely a whole different world back then. And then also it's just, now there's a lot more female empowerment and it's more normalized that women are in like a male-dominated field, which hopefully, you know, more down the road, maybe like when I have grandkids that it's not even looked at that way because me as being like, a, I don't even know what I am, a millennial Gen Zer, or whatever, I just don't, I think of it like, I don't know. I I don't look at things like, oh, only a male can do that. Like, why can't I do that? What's, what's the big deal? I mean, you know what I mean? And also at the end of the day, women are stronger. I mean, think about it. We got to go through more stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, the stereotype when I started was, um, it's okay to be an EMT or a paramedic, Mm -hmm. but as soon as you cross that line to want to be a firefighter, there was all kinds of targets, you know, like, oh, no, you shouldn't, you know, this is a male's job. This is, let the men do that.
0: Did you deal with like any type of like bullying or I'm assuming the way it sounds, it seems like you were belittled. (laughs)
1: yeah quite often uh and my mindset was just I was going to continue to prove myself I think a lot of the people that did that may have done it with an unconscious bias and they were just being really tough Mm -hmm. thinking that they were going to chase me away but that was my motivation to stay
0: yeah no that's that's good so it's kind of like if they were being intimidating and like scaring you off but you're like you know you know and a lot of it's, it's actually great that you did that because a lot of some some people may get scared and just think, oh, no, it's really just like for the men and such. But, um, but that's that's really um, very empowering and awesome. And thanks for sharing that. Um, so when did you retire from from this?
1: I retired in 2019
0: so okay, so that was like not that actually, that like right before the 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 pandemic good,
1: good timing for sure
0: <laughs> oh I know right and then I have a new life right now which is a fantastic life <laughs> would you bring that female empowerment's background to one hope which is great um so you mentioned that there was sexual insult involved if you want to like you know dive want to bring that into the episode here if you want to talk more about that
1: Sure, and and there are so many things that I could talk about specifically relating to that. It's kind of sad, but when I started as a volunteer at the age of 16, I joined the the local department and it was not many women. There was actually only one other woman there, some older women that rode the ambulance, but no one that was interested in firefighting. As I said, I was still in high school. You were only allowed to stay there till nine o'clock on a school night, and it was one of these nights, and so we're in Maryland, the weather's crazy, and it we they were calling for heavy snows, so it had started snowing early in the evening. They had canceled school for the day, be, the next day, and I was allowed to spend the night. So one of my friends called me, it was back when you had a telephone on the wall and the long cord and everything. <laughs> and she said, Hey, a bunch of us are going to the firehouse tonight um, to spend the night, why don't you come? And at that point, I could only ride the ambulance, I wasn't allowed to ride the fire engine. I didn't have the training. It was just a, a training issue. I hadn't had completed the training. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. It's great. So I told my dad, I didn't want to drive. My um, my dad dropped me off at the volunteer house. And when he, we pulled in the parking lot, he said, I thought you told me there was going to be a bunch of people here. And there was only one truck. And I said, oh yeah, there, there will be. There, they'll come after work. And he said, are you sure? Are you going to be okay here? And I said, yeah, dad, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So I take my book bag and I go inside and we had a day room where you basically sit, watch TV, eat, things like that. So I was in there studying, had my books, reading my EMT book. And all of a sudden I felt somebody touching my shoulders and kind of just shrugged it off. And then I looked up and it was one of those people that you knew is kind of tagged as a troublemaker. So I walked into ironically enough the captain's office and was looking out the window watching the snowfall waiting for my friends to come Like hoping they would come soon because it was just this feeling that I just can't describe I was so uncomfortable like almost I knew something was gonna happen Uh, With that, I heard the door close
0: and lock. Oh god the lock part is the scary part Yeah,
1: and I turned around and I just kept looking at him. And then I turned back around out the window and I was like, uh, what do you want from me? And he's like, just coming in. Next thing I knew, I felt him pushing up against me, unzipping my pants. And, you know, the rest you can figure out. I, you know, I'm not going to go into the deep details. But I had to spend the night there uh, feeling dirty, feeling like I did something wrong, feeling like I deserved what had happened to me. And I couldn't tell anybody that, I don't even remember the night as it went on. I guess it's the trauma. Mm -hmm. I remember wiping myself off. I remember they didn't have a shower for women. I remember cleaning myself off with these generic like brown paper towels. And the next day, the first thing I did as soon as I got home was showered. Couldn't wait to get that off of me.
0: Oh my God. that is, and you were, you said you were like 16 or?
1: Mm hmm Oh my god. Yeah, well I was seventeen
0: at that point. Okay. At that point. It was, yeah, still you're were minor. Like especially during that time when it happens. I mean, trauma is trauma, but when it like happens when you're young, you're like so like scared and just so confused. And then and then you, you did you say that you felt that did you say that you felt that you it was your fault? Is that what you said? I don't think Yeah, it's That's typically I felt- that's a way that people think and it, think it's like their fault, but in reality it's really not. So I always wonder why our brain thinks that. Like why do we yeah. blame ourselves?
1: Yeah, and I did stop coming to the firehouse. Actually, I had called the rape crisis center, and again, this was back in the eighties. The protocols have changed so much, but they were very persistent about information. They mm-hmm. were able to obtain my name, my uh, home address, things like that. But they wanted his name. They wanted mm-hmm. information. They were trying to get me to come forward, and and I said I can't. I, nobody's going to believe me, and, and I. I shared you know this is probably i must have done something to deserve this it must have been the way i dressed it must have been the way i acted everybody said women don't belong in these jobs and it wasn't until my dad so they mailed a letter and my dad came to me and said angela what what is this there's a letter from the sexual assault center and i immediately shut down and i said oh, dad, that's for my friend. Oh, she had a bad experience and she didn't want to call them. So I called on <laughs> her behalf. So immediately started lying about it and, you know, just kept it in. I didn't want to tell anybody. And it caused a lot of trauma Trauma later yeah. in my life, you know, especially with my, my first marriage didn't yeah, work out. Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've getting like, you know, getting sexually assaulted. And then it's like also just trusting, you know, trusting men. Mm -hmm. And did the person ever get, like, you know, arrested and put in jail?
1: I never pursued it. Mm -hmm. I never pursued it. But one of the things that I guess when you talk about why I thought I deserved it, kind of going back, when I first joined the, one of my, one of my friends joined the volunteer fire company with me. And she was more of the um, person she liked to make sure her hair was done, her makeup was on, and really cared about her appearance. Not that I didn't, but I was more of a tomboy. So we're at a meeting one night and the captain and one of the other officers calls us into the office, that same room where I was raped and said, "Uh, we need to talk to you too. We go in there. We're both really excited. You know, we think we're going to make a difference. We're going to start helping people. They shut the door and they said, if you're here to meet boys, don't let the door hit you on the ass. What is
0: wrong with this place? Like I, oh I just feel it kind of gives me a moment where it's like I hate men <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well and it, it was I mean I of don't fun. hate all
0: they're not all like that obviously but I'm just in my head it's just kind of like I'm it just makes me like so angry and like and like we did discuss before like there's like you're not the first person to on my podcast with a, with a rape story it's just it's just how it's such a I feel like lately, it's just, not lately, like it's just, I feel like it's just so common. I'm so glad that girls are not, you know, t- are talking about it because there are so many, you know, rape cases out there that are still, you
1: know. Stressed. people don't want to talk about it because they don't think anything's going to happen from it. And my friend quit. My friend quit. She said, you know, I'm not going to stick around for this, where I was more of like, yeah, I'm going to stick and I'm going to prove I'm wrong. But I made sure I was wearing baggy clothes. I made sure I didn't wear any makeup. I made sure there was no way that I was going to look like I was there to meet boys. So a few months go by and the captain says to me, I'm really glad you stayed, Angie. And I said, what? I said, "Well, a couple of months ago, you told me don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out." I don't understand what you're saying. He said, "We knew you had potential, but we wanted to get rid of her. We didn't like the way she dressed. Her pants were too tight. She had on a lot of makeup. We knew what her intentions were. So imagine when I'm being raped, I'm hearing this in my head: I have potential. I have potential. And then after the rape, I, I left for months.
0: Yeah, well, I would for too. Months i do you ever see your you know your rapist after like after that incident happened you you know you're you're being you're working there for a bit like did you have to like like can you have you come across that person like
1: yeah so you asked this and you know sometimes i I just forget about it but when my youngest son was in preschool his niece went to the same preschool so i was in my 30s Mm -hmm. and we had to go on a field trip with them and I was stuck and I had so much. It's not that we were like talking to each other or anything, but he was there and that immediately caused panic that caused a breakdown. And that caused so many things that came back and my my marriage ended after that. I just so much came back that I had suppressed and I had not gotten help. That's why I say if, if it happens, even if you, I would say, come forward. I know it's really hard. But if you can't come forward at least get help for it don't let that just just fester for years
0: yeah because i think people don't realize that because there's you know with failed marriages there's many reasons why marriages can fail but it's just figuring out what's the reasoning for it so i mean this is this has nothing to do with like it's not really relating to your situation but i'm just kind of just giving a little bit of my example here um i mean i have like trauma from like my past relationships not like what went through with you or whatever I'm not really here to talk about me but just I'm just basically just saying how it's it's good to talk about it with your with your partner like when you were in that marriage did you by any chance bring up that that rape to that partner or was that something that was just you kept it to yourself the whole time
1: no I did because I had problems having sexual Relationship with him, you know, there were certain things that if he did, it would send me into hysteria, you know. So I had to have that kind of conversation, but it was still that was a, a something that is very intimate that I couldn't yeah. feel what I needed to feel because I'd never had gotten help.
0: Yeah. And how long? How long ago was this? Was this is
1: oh gosh, over thirty years.
0: Over thirty years and but I think that's you know could you mention how you were nervous to you know talk about it and to get help but I'm like really proud that you are bringing this conversation onto a public podcast
1: yeah so m- as my work evolved and and honestly most of a good po- probably the first half of my career I was not an advocate for women because I was taught kind of that you always had to prove yourself and that women didn't deserve the job and that I was something different from everyone else and any other woman that came in, you know, if they were pretty, not that, I mean, as a young 16, even 20 year old, long blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, it wasn't like I wasn't attractive. But when women showed, you know, that they were attractive and wore makeup and dressed differently, they were looked upon and given that kind of um, stereotype of being loose or as they would call back in the day or you know sexually permissive or or what have you or gosh god forbid you had any kind of relationship with a person in the fire department it went you know everywhere everywhere and actually my husband is a fire captain as well (laughs) but um yeah so it took me a while to be an advocate and i found that as i joined the organization to support women firefighters and became a board member and and then later the president there was a lot more of this that had happened that people weren't reporting and people were afraid to talk about and we used that as a platform to move forward and share some education and the thing is there just was no education on it
0: yeah and yeah especially like I mean when I was in high school, which was because I became more of a mental health advocate after high school, like during high school, people would just think I'm annoying and like, didn't listen to me and think I'm crazy. And, and so this, I was in high school with the years of 2010, well, 20, sorry, 2009 to 2013. And then during that time, people weren't taking mental health seriously. So I just, I just feel like just pretty much recently, it's being more spoken about especially with the pandemic and everything like that a lot of people who may not have had to go through you know hardships like we do or have like mental illness like just humans aren't supposed to like be isolated so they're feeling that anxiety and depression so they're like oh wow I'm feeling it now this is actually real Mm -hmm. right absolutely so and then also the internet hunts like my podcast and just like TikTok and just everything, it gives people the ability to talk about people's stories. And they're like, oh, wait, this is actually a thing. Like, but there's, of course, there's still people out there who still don't get it. But I just feel like oh. we definitely have evolved, like, as a society when it comes to all mental health. But it's just, it and like mental health was spoken about around that time, but it just was like, always oh, been taught to like, on the hush hush. You know, like don't bring your, your problems to like, like, don't, like, don't tell like the family members or like, don't burden people. And, and it's just like, who decided this,
1: <laughs> you know? Right. Like who right. Is the person
0: that decided let's, <laughs> let's keep it on the hush. That's, that's how it's supposed to be. But then not realizing keeping things on the hush, hush just makes everything worse. And then the suicide rates high because then they, oh you know and it's it's just like who thought of this and it's kind of like this is kind of irrelevant but like i always think of who thought of that stupid 40 hour week bs <laughs> before
1: <laughs> well i can tell you in the fire service you know we, we have this little line i share with some of my friends that do social justice work the dinosaurs retire but they lay eggs so the older people that have these beliefs they instill them on these younger generations and saying, this is how you fit in. And there's that stigma of, you have to be tough. You think about when people, think, like people say firemen, they don't say firefighter. And when you envision that, you envision somebody muscular, a man, but 80% of the calls typically are related to EMS and rescue where that's where you have the benefit of having the women that are critical thinkers that are caring and compassionate, but that it, it just takes a few bad apples. And just building trust is really hard when you get to that point. Luckily the fire service is starting to evolve and they just, I, I kid you not, in the past 10 years have started tracking suicides. And the data with that is crazy. We were just uh, granted um, funding for a study on female firefighters, cause there's not a, really wasn't enough of us to do it. And we found the mental health effects on female firefighters from discrimination, from harassment, from, you know, all, all kinds of different things have not only hurt their mental health, but their physical health. They're out of work more. They're injured more. The alcohol rate is through the roof for first responders and drug abuse.
0: Wow. And it's and it's true. Like a lot of people don't also talk about how mental health is a huge it contributes to your physical health. And I also, I did interview some uh, person who is, um who has a nonprofit called Start Day One. And he focuses not on like the after, um like effect of like, you know, having like mental health issues, but he talks a lot more about preventing it. So that he's like a huge, like, that's like a big belief on it because the way that like our health system is set up is to treat the symptoms I mean, I do know, like, we obviously have our physical, like, checkups, and that's supposed to be preventative, and, mm-hmm. but we don't really, like, have a mental health one. I mean, when you go to get your physical done, they, when you answer questions, it does ask, like, hey, are you depressed? <laughs> like, Yeah, who's going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it does have, I like, think, you check if you're depressed or something like that, but it doesn't, like, I don't know, I just feel that, People
1: see it as a sign of weakness if they say yeah,
0: that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why I made this podcast. Like, I don't it's not a sign of weakness. And just like listening to your story, like if I was in a position where I was a teenager and I got, you know, sexually assaulted by someone and then, you know, having to see that person and having to still work in that environment, like that's hard, you know. So I'm just like, I I don't think I don't know if I can I mean, I've never been put in that situation, thankfully, but it's just that really does like make you as like a badass and it's and it's like it's Thank it's you. not it, it, it doesn't make you weak like just and the people who don't understand that are literally the people who probably never have been through something like that and another thing too is that every human being is different when it comes emotionally like some people are more sensitive, like with their nervous system, like it's an actual thing. And you know how, like back in the day, people would be like, "Oh, stop being so sensitive." Right. Like they'll say stuff like that,
1: and like, then why are like, you anxious?
0: It's like it's like, it's like oh, it's just oh, you're anxious. <laughs> just stop being anxious, or just breathe in, breathe out, or whatever. Like BS. But it's literally scientifically proven that there are people out there who are just more sensitive. And like that's just their that's just their um genetics, like their it's... their genetics and like their the way they're built and it's like that's not their fault that's like how they're built so and it just makes it even worse like if people are saying don't stop being so sensitive be like well you're tell <laughs> me to stop having cancer like <laughs> <All> right <laughs> you know you know again it's just I just I mean all of these comments are you know based off of just ignorance and and I think that just makes it like we're literally at the end of the day we are connected as human beings but people just don't like understand that even though we are connected as human beings like everybody has different genetics different experiences different like it's just they don't Understand that, and I think I'm kind of going a little off to a different topic, but, um, but that's kind of how I dealt with my podcast too. I kind of just like I get on a topic and I just go ham on it because yeah. just my thoughts about well,
1: it. You know, I find too, like even before I went public, I waited until I retired to go public about the sexual assault because I was afraid of the repercussions in my career.
0: Oh yeah. You
1: know my my family knew and and such, but I found when I became an advocate for women and i was noticed on a national platform where i keynoted at the world's largest fire service conference and that's not to toot my horn that's to share a story mm-hmm. when i did that there was so much hate on social media i was the first woman in 90 years and you know just so much hate there's a website uh, that specifically hates women and people of color
0: oh yes he said there was a hate website what is his website
1: yeah, there's a, they, they pose themselves as a firefighter training website, but they hate on women, hate on people of color. And I was a slam pig of the week. <laughs> they, none of them use the real names. They make makeup names based on like firefighter movie act figures and things like that. And they were putting pictures of me on my speech. Like one of the proudest days talking about my son that's in the department. Uh, put my coin up there that was, a, you know, significant to me being the first woman to to do this keynote at the world's largest fire service conference in 90 year history, and it was it was just it, it almost took took the life out of me. But then I thought, you know what, they these assholes aren't out here doing this. They you know they're just jealous and yeah. they they want me to feel bad about it. They want me to be embarrassed, and I'm not gonna let them do that to me.
0: Yeah. I feel like you've been through shit, man. Like, <laughs> but like, like that's just me being like, like all like just the bullying and like being looked down on being a woman and yet you still like are on top of it. You know what I mean? Like you're still just soaring and being a star. And I like, like how long ago was that hate website thing and also, by the way, that is like so immature of them. I feel like, what is this high school?
1: It's still the it's it's still up and running the website. It's on Facebook. Really? Yeah. What? They'll they'll post pictures I and troll it? degrade people. <laughs> I troll it. <laughs> it's I'm blocked from it, so oh it's not even worth it. You know, it's it's so much hate and negativity and it's just like it's people that make fun of other people because they have their own insecurities, is how I feel.
0: Oh my God, imagine being so sad that like You create a group just to handle the people, just to make yourself feel good about yourself. When I was in high school, like actually, I there was like a hate Facebook group about me. I got taken down right away. But and then like my boyfriend, same thing happened to him when in when he was in high school. And I mean, him and I both have like pretty big personalities and stuff like that. So I just think they always target those people because Mm -hmm. we put ourselves out there, and they don't like that. And they probably feel like that's hard for them. So they're like. Oh, well, let me put them down. They're so high up. I'm going to try to bring them down. And, like, that, like I said, that happened to me in high school. So, like, the fact that it's like happening, like, we're like full grown adults, like, what the fuck? It's like, crazy. What?
1: Yeah, it is. It is crazy. And again, it's just hate. It's hate. It's jealousy. I feel sorry for those people that they have to result to, you know, that they they have to do those things to make themselves feel good. And a big part of it is they want to go back and sit. Like we always talk about sitting around the firehouse table, the kitchen table. That's where everything happens. You know, we talk, we kind of just talk about the bad things we've seen. We joke, we laugh. Sometimes a, a often a lot of inappropriate things happen there too. And that's where they'll bring out their phone and they'll like, look what I posted on this site and I'm making fun of her or I'm making fun of that, you know, person that, you know, we don't, my eyes don't belong are rolling.
0: Here. Like if this was a <laughs> video podcast, y'all see my eyes are just rolling back. Like this stuff just annoys the crap out of me. Like, and these are bullies that never like have, probably have people stand up to them.
1: Mm-hmm. Imagine. Like. This is the person that's coming to your house when you have an emergency. Oh God! Right, (laughs) right. And and unfortunately, the fire service is a great place and it's full of amazing people. But there are there are a lot of turds. And being well, when I was a captain before I retired, I was the only female captain in out of a thousand people, the only one in the career department. Now there's now since I retired, a few have uh, promoted, which I love because I feel like. You know, I showed them you can do it, and I showed them that no matter what people are going to say, you just have to go out and be you. But I can tell you, if there was a fire come out in my area where people knew I'd be the first one to respond, they would turn on that radio just to listen, just to hear, because they wanted me to fail. And they wanted to be able to talk about it. And I would be accused of things I had nothing to do with, which was even crazier. One time, a friend of mine called me. I was at on vacation, and he said, "Guess what you did now?" And I said, "What?" He said, "Oh, you just threw some guy against the wall because he used the women's bathroom, and he's in trouble." (laughs) I said, "Really? Gosh, I did that all the way from North Carolina to Baltimore County. That's awesome,
0: you girl! Yes, (laughs) I have
1: superpowers, I guess."
0: Oh my gosh, there's this, um, so there's this artist, um, her name is Lessa Barrett, she's, um, she hasn't really been a music artist for a while, she actually was like one of the lucky TikTokers that got famous, but she used her platform for her music, which is great, because her music is just so good, and a lot of what you're telling me kind of reminds me of the song Pretty Poison, which is basically, Cause with her ex- her personal experience, you know, people on TikTok are mean. You know, they mm-hmm. they make up these stories. They they they. When I first found out who Nessa Barrett was, they made her seem like this like problematic person who caused all this drama and this this and that. But and she's not the type of person to like go on and like talk about like she tells her st- She tells her side through her music. So because the thing is, what I I never look down at celebrities. Like, I know a lot of people look at the Kardashians and they're like, oh, they're these, like, people... Like, I just feel that unless you know them personally, like, why are we talking down on these people? Like, we don't know their life. We're only judging based off of what you're seeing on the screen. And from somebody who did YouTube, I can tell you very well, it's very easy to make someone look like they're someone they're not based off Mm of just editing. Like, everything is so different. So I think just from my experience of just doing, like video stuff and youtube and it's just like i can make myself like i look back at some of these videos and i'm just like i look like such a like i'm not that kind of person or whatever so anyway but so with her she would get so severely bullied on tiktok and just social media overall that she would have to like she's like doing her abs like if she was like she also has bpd like borderline personality disorder so she takes things obviously harder and it's just really you know she basically talking about her story through her music. And her music's really, really good too. Like I'm obsessed with her music. So in this pretty poison lyrics, she's basically saying like, you know, you guys are all talking about me, but at the end of the day, I'm pretty poison, like in your veins or something like that.
1: Wow. I'm, ha- I'm going to look it up.
0: Yeah. And then like basically, and then one of the lines was saying like waking up with like nice being thrown at you because she'll wake up and like, I just read those negative comments. So like, she's just super creative and I just feel like that's kind of like the same situation as you. Like, obviously, it's different. Like, I mean, actually, not really different. Like, I mean, she, she still got, you guys got bullied the same way, except she was being seen by, like, a bunch of, like, TikTok, like, you know, like, thousands and millions of people, like, and then you had, like, the, the firefighters and such. So it's it's the same, it's the same concept. Right. Um, but it's it's just like so when you're saying, like, oh, did you hear what you did? And then it's like, oh, I did that. And it's like people just <laughs> making up all these lies for their own entertainment. And then like her music video for that song was so good. It was pretty much a video part of the video was like in a movie theater. And then like it was kind of creepy because she's also kind of she's it's, her brand is a little creepy, but I love it because I'm just crazy myself. And like it's in a theater and like everybody in the theater has a mask on like not like a like an an actual mask not like (laughs) like looking creepy like you know basically watching her on the screen and she's all the way in the back of the theater watching people watch like the lies on the screen or something like that
1: Uh, do you I feel go ahead I'm sorry
0: um yeah I mean it's just it's just pretty much just her explaining like you guys are just making like all these lies for your own personal entertainment so when they're like they're eating the popcorn eventually they suck they like eat poison and then, then they die or something I don't know but she <laughs> she like she like she's like she's very creative <laughs> um but her point was that you know you know you may be talking shit about me but at the end of the day like I'm like in your veins or something like that, because you you can't get enough of me. It's like, kind of, you know what I mean?
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people, and I was going to ask you your thoughts on this. I feel a lot of people, when they do that stuff, when they post things on social media, now TikTok wasn't a big thing when everybody was hating on me. So I guess I'm lucky for that one. And Mm -hmm. I tried not to read them, but I think they do it a lot of times just to fit in.
0: The Mm -hmm. first
1: first article I ever wrote that was published was uh, titled, What is a Fireman? And basically, someone had wrote a blog about how to be a, a fireman, you have to be filthy, dirty, snot coming out of your nose, you know, not wearing your mask when fires. And they're all things that lead and contribute to illnesses and cancer and problems in in our culture. And it was t- it was at a point where we were having good cultural change. And I said, wait, 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 wait. You know, that's, that's not a brand. That's not, you shouldn't wear dirty turnout clothes, you know, and helmets and things and dirt on your face. That's cancer. You know, you shouldn't use that as a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. You should, you know, talk about being, you know, not reckless, just being, being aggressive, but not reckless. And in the fire service, there's a true problem with that because you think about running into a burning building you you want to make sure that you're risking a lot to save a lot. So if it's an abandoned house and there's flames coming out of all three floors, what are you going to save? Mm-hmm. But but some people will say, oh, I've got to go in there. I've got maybe there's a homeless person in there. Truly, is it worth risking your life and not coming home to your family? You know, and that might sound harsh, but that. When you, you knowing about the science of fire, the temperature would be so hot in that place that nobody would be able to survive. Mm -hmm. So you'd be doing nothing. Yeah. And I was trying to just say, you know, think about being aggressive, but not reckless. Think about cancer. You know, you have to, at some point, take some responsibility. And as a leader in the fire service, I couldn't let the people that worked with me do those kind of things. And I had to take a stand for it. And immediately, the, and the people that were the worst were the women that wanted to be able to fit in. And they could say, you know, oh, look at this. You know, people would send me screenshots. She said this about you. She said this about you. And it's like, don't, please don't tell me that because I don't want to hear it. You know, I'm just going to be proud of what I do. I'm going to be able to lay my head on the pillow at night. And I have no regrets.
0: Okay, great. But yeah,
1: we were just, it was just talking about the article. But yeah, so the women were really terrible. And and. I know that they do it to fit in, you know, and that's, that's a crazy culture in the fire service and we're working really hard to change that, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's taken a lot of work.
0: So are you still involved with them? I mean, I know you're retired, but like, are you involved in any way with them?
1: Yes. So I'm, I'm on the advisory board for the women in fire. I, being the past president, I'm on the advisory board, but what I Once I retired, I was uh, scheduled to, I was trained in social justice. So I was scheduled to teach to different fire departments across the country and then COVID happened. So that kind of got put on hold. Just recently I've been teaching at different fire departments, um, and fire chief conferences just to kind of share my story, share because people don't realize that it happens. And it's kind of a shocker, you know, and I have to say this, you know, this might scare people or I've had women walk out of the room that have had similar experiences after I tell my story. So I have to start with, you know, this is this is a pretty tough thing to talk about. Um, I'm going to talk about sexual assault. If this is a trigger for anybody, you may mm-hmm. want to leave now. Mm-hmm. And the men are they like the fire chiefs. And they. They want to come over and hug you. And then they're like, can I touch you? Which I appreciate because they're being allies, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and they want to see it change. And they, they have a hard time grasping, but I guess me telling my story that and hearing it and hearing it in my voice, they know it's true and it's powerful, but it's hard to tell. And I'm getting to the point where it just, it kind of, it takes me a day or two after that to really get back into my positive energy so to say
0: yeah well on the bright side here I mean you bringing this on here your story is going to be told to more people and they're going to listen and you know hopefully it encourages them to you know talk about it and and if they're you never know if like if they're in a position because with the way SEO works if the way I'm going to title it I'm going to put that words in there and if people, you know, are listening to it and they're going through it, you know, hopefully your story can help somebody from somewhere in the country, in the world. Like I have listeners from all over the world. I'm starting to get oh, a nice. listeners in Australia. I don't know how. Hey, what up, Australia? Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what up? <laughs> I was like looking at my, I was looking at my uh, analytics and I was like, oh, I'm starting to get, get more people in Australia. Cool. Um, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> Um, I kind of wish on my like on YouTube people can comment and engage but I'm like podcasting they can't do that I mean they can put reviews on like uh, like Apple Podcasts, which by the way if you don't have a podcast leave me a review appreciate that um, <laughs> but I just like that's why I have like my Instagram account so people can find me on Instagram and talk with me there and I've had a person reach out to me who is bipolar and said hey I found your podcast and I really needed to hear what you had to say
1: oh that's amazing so
0: you know, I really do appreciate you know you know like you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sound like a robot. I appreciate you. You. <laughs> Gotta love it. This what happens when you talk for a while, Um, but I do appreciate you know bringing your story onto here. But what I like to ask, what I like to ask my guests is that if you have like any advice that you would like to give, like to any of my listeners that are listening on your story.
1: Sure. And. Anyone that has to share their story, I always I have this like quote I love to share. Mm -hmm. It's not every day you can save a life, but every day you can change one. So if you have a story to tell, it might make a difference for someone else. on something just like this platform, don't be afraid to get help. Would be my biggest suggestion. I would advocate absolutely for doing whatever you need. My biggest regret, if I have any regrets, is that I didn't do anything because I always wonder who else he did this to mm-hmm who else suffered because I didn't come forward oh
0: I'm sorry I have to think of it like that hopefully he realized how much of a jerk he is and <laughs> and came to his senses or, or something like that but um I mean, I'm sorry that yeah that's definitely not a fun thought to have um so yeah, I don't want to end on that note. So let me try to switch it up. Okay, a little bit. <laughs>
1: but no, no. So seriously, I would say so. That's that's my biggest regret is yeah. not coming forward because I wonder if there was anybody else that he had done this to but I'm here to tell you that if something happens to you and you need help, there's so many resources out there Mm -hmm. specifically for rape. There's sexual assault recovery center. There's people you can talk to. There's trauma lines that are 24/7. reach out, get some help. Don't let it affect your entire life. You have to find a place where you can, I don't want to say forgive them, but for me it was forgive myself. Yeah, and just and move forward with life and I'm no longer ashamed that's the Mm -hmm. biggest thing for me after going um after 30 some years and actually going public about it it was it was healing for me because I'm no longer ashamed even though that happened to me and I know God doesn't want anything bad to happen to people but it happened to me and I've made a difference because of that and I've changed lives as a result of that and as I said, not every day you can change a life save a life, but every day you can change one. Mm-hmm. And that is that is an amazing feeling to know you've done something good for just one person. It's that's why I'm here. My job's yeah. complete.
0: Yeah, no, seriously. And I mean and you and I were both in the career of purpose, so mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> Which is why we connect so well. And it's like I, it's it's so sad that they had those, you know, those those negative groups, but it's also just super grateful that we were be able to connect. Um, with One Hope because our community is filled with positivity.
1: Absolutely. Which
0: is a big thing, yeah.
1: Yeah, and the fire service too. They're really working to make change. Okay. They've done a lot of work on cultural change specifically Mm Mm-hmm. You know anything from safety aspects but more the mental health is so important they even have uh, initiatives through the National Fallen Firefighters for family members now to understand what we're going through as first responders because it's a whole nother thing if you don't understand our language and our, our, you know, lingo. But they, they care about us. They care about making sure that we're mentally okay. And they preach that it's okay to not be okay. And they have critical incident stress teams in most departments across the nation. So I'm grateful that there's change.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's actually really, really good to hear, knowing that they are working on that. And I'm just like a big I'm, – I'm really – am proud of that because you know it really stings of how they treated you and what happened in the past but if they're showing that they are trying to change and they're realizing what they're doing is wrong like that is a step forward in the right direction and it shows that you know having these conversations is it's working and it's all it's kind of like you know what is it called um what is it? something with dogs and treats and old dogs Teaching an old dog new tricks or oh, yeah,
1: <laughs> I call them courageous conversations, but yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, seriously. Um, all right. So again, thank you so much for being on here. Um, if you wanna leave all your like social media like in the description. Sure. And yeah, so people can follow you or if they want to reach out to you or whatever, I'm gonna leave that all in there, but Perfect. yeah and for everyone listening i hope you guys have a wonderful morning afternoon evening or wherever you are and stay tuned for next week's episode